Some of you experience tension in your job. Maybe it's not the job that you want, but it's the job that you need. There's tension in where you are and where you want to go. Maybe you're experiencing tension in your relationships and friendships or dating or marriage. That Thankfully, we're not where we used to be but we're not yet who we wanna be. And so here in the middle, in the tension, we find ourselves looking for answers. Thankfully, God has given us the manual to life. Really the word of God makes your life better and makes you better at life. Pastor Andy Stanley says that often. And, and I love that God wants to know us on a personal level. Because if you want to understand the meaning of something or how something works, you go to the author. So if you want to understand the story or the plot line of a book, you ask the person that wrote it. If you want to understand the meaning of a painting, you ask the painter. If you wanna understand the meaning of a song, you go to that artist, that musician, and they can tell you. Well, if you wanna understand why we are made, our purpose, and how we can best function, then it makes sense that us as creation go to the creator. And if you're here to this morning and you're not really religious, maybe you came out of invitation from a friend or a family member, or maybe you have questions about Christianity. I wanna let you know that you are welcomed here and that we want you to come in and, and kick the tires a little bit and, and ask your questions and be curious. But I think you would agree with me on this point that we all want better things, better relationships, better finances. We want a successful career. No one wakes up and says to themselves, man, I really just want to lose today. <laughs> you know, well, unless you enroll at Michigan University. Then in that case, it's just expected. Come on, I, I'm a Buckeye fan. You got you to cheer. I, I welcome it back, by the way. I had a friend give me a hard time about a, the Buckeyes just recently. So if you got something, man, support your team. I love it. But here's the thing. No one likes to lose. No one, like, no one wakes up and says, man, I really hope my relationships are worse tomorrow. I really want to end up in a dead-end job and be in lots of debt and struggle with anxiety and addiction and have lots of issues. Yay. Like, no one wakes up that way. Okay? But so many of us have an area in our life that we're struggling with. And so the question is, what do you do with that tension? And so today I want to take a few minutes and give a foundation for wisdom because the word of God and the spirit of God acts as a compass in our life. 
that you don't have to settle for less, that the author of life actually wrote a book on how to get the most out of life. Jesus puts it this way, that I have come to give you life and life abundantly. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be taking a look at the book of Proverbs. It's seen as a book of wisdom written by a group of people, a group of scholars back in the Old Testament, but primarily organized by a guy named Solomon, who was known as the wisest person in the world. Now, in the Old Testament, there are three books who are seen as the wisdom books. It's Proverbs and then Ecclesiastes, also written by Solomon. It talks about like dealing with the extremes or the exceptions to the rules. So Proverbs deals with principles. Uh, Ecclesiastes deals with exceptions. And then Job deals with suffering. And together, those are seen as wisdom literature. How do we function in life? And so as we dive into the book of Proverbs, I encourage you to read a proverb a day. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs and there's 31 days in July. So take one chapter a day. It's a group of principles, a group of sayings that will help you get better at life because the true source of wisdom is God himself and that we don't have to be left wondering how do we get better, but instead can focus and apply the word of God into our lives and begin getting better today. Now, I stress that in here, these words are principles, not always promises, because every time someone shares a rule, someone will then share the exception to the rule. And so there are things that apply. So for example, if you do the right thing, most times you're going to get a great outcome, but not every time. So if you want to handle the exceptions, go to Ecclesiastes or Job. And he tells you how to respond. But if you want to learn the principle, you study Proverbs because healthy, wise principles make an impact long term. And so today I'm going to share with you four principles or four foundations to wisdom. If you think about that, like the chair I'm sitting on or like chair that many of you guys are sitting on. I mean, if you're watching online, I don't I don't know if you're sitting or standing or what. But but this chair is sturdy because it's got four equally strong legs. If I had one missing, I'm gonna be tipping over or falling off in the same way that you need all four principles that I'm gonna share with you today. It's gonna to come from Proverbs chapter three. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to there. It's gonna be a few minutes before we get there, but I'm just kind of giving you the heads up where we're going. But as this chair has four solid legs that can hold me up, okay, these four principles, when applied, will give you a place to set your life that will set you up for success in your relationships, in your career, in your finances, and in every area of life. Now, before we dive into that though, we need to distinguish the difference between knowledge and wisdom. There's a difference. It sounds similar, but there is a difference. See, knowledge is knowing the right thing. Knowledge is knowing the right thing. That's important. Wisdom is doing the right thing. Wisdom is doing the right thing. Here's a way, if you're taking notes, this is a way for you if, you, if you get this, it'll help you remember it for the rest of your life. If you put the words knowledge and wisdom side by side, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to underline know and then underline do because it's, the definition is in the word. So knowledge means know, wisdom means do. It involves knowledge, but it requires an application. So go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, knowledge means no. 
I'll give you a second chance. Some of those were a struggle. So now the same person say wisdom means do. An example we can all relate with. How many of us know what's healthy to eat versus what we actually eat? How many of us know what we need to do for exercise, but then how many of us actually do that? Many of us know that we should put ourselves on a budget, but that budget doesn't come in when you're driving home and you've got a craving for some Chipotle, right? I mean, I mean, in my mind, Chipotle's never wrong, but um, so here's the thing, like, so we know, but wisdom is actually applying that knowledge. Wisdom is actually acting in light of that information. We live in what's called the information age, where you have access to more information than all previous generations and periods in history combined. There is more knowledge and information being uploaded to Google and YouTube and websites every three months compared to all of history combined. Think about that for a second. There's more information uploaded online in the last three months than all of previous world history combined. What we need is not more information. What we need is transformation. And transformation happens through God and it happens through being wise. Another, another description of wisdom. Okay, take that word do. Wisdom is this formula, is discernment plus obedience. Discernment, what you know, what you receive, but then what you do and how you respond. And so obedience is key to wisdom because it impacts what you do. It impacts the bottom line, how you spend, what you say, how you serve. But we hate that word. Obedience almost seems un-American, doesn't it? I mean, we are celebrating 4th of July and freedom today, and, and I love it. I love all things America. I love the flag and the colors and the barbecues and the fireworks. I, one random story, I didn't share first service, but it just came to mind now. I was uh, with a friend, Matt, in high school, and he bought some fireworks from one of the not so reputable things off the side of the road. And so he was firing them off in his backyard and it was really fun, except he, he lit one that he thought, um, he made a mistake that he thought it was a, like one of those like smoke bomb ones or sparklers. And so he set it off and it just started smoking. And so he's like, oh, that's not very exciting. So he walked up to it. But what do fireworks do when they go up in the air? They smoke, right? So it just didn't launch. And so the, the wick was burning on it and it just didn't launch. And so my friend walked up to it and when it got about 10 feet away, it goes, boom, and it explodes. And like, he go, we all go dive into the ground and going around and it, he couldn't hear for days. It wasn't good, but it was so much fun. I love 4th of July, okay? <laughs> Be careful out there. Um, but as a country, we started in rebellion, right? It, we love things our own way. Like, don't tell me what to do. Like even in churches, Protestant churches started as a protest before. And so here in, in the American way, we're like, yeah, freedom. Oh, okay. But go back to who knows how we function best. God does. Because God is the author of life. He, he created you and me. 
And he wants you to be successful. He wants you to know him. But success doesn't mean world success. Success meaning a life of purpose and joy and love. And that Jesus came that you would have access to that. Access to freedom. Access to forgiveness and grace. And so while we celebrate our country's freedom, and I'm all about it. The red, white, and blue. And in fact, we got some great bags out there for you families that as you leave today, as long as the supplies last out there, go and grab yourself a goodie bag for your family to go celebrate the holiday together. But understand this, that if you want to live a life of wisdom, it starts with acknowledging that you have to obey God, that you cannot live a life of wisdom without obedience. But thankfully, we have God's spirit and God's word to guide us, to be that compass, to lead us down to the right path. So it's discernment plus obedience. It's, it's the workout plan plus the exercise. It's the diet plan plus the actual executing it. It's the financial budget made plus the change in spending habits. And so as you go throughout this, we're going to talk about how you can be successful in these different areas, but from a biblical worldview. Paul writes this in, in Galatians chapter two, he says in verse two and three, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of fullness of assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Now notice this here in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See wisdom and knowledge go hand in hand, but our source for wisdom is the God who created us and who saves us. And so Jesus is the source of wisdom. Next, same author, Paul writes this in Ephesians. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Other translations have it this way. They say, redeem the time. I love that phrase. To make the most of your time. Another way to think of it is not just simply about counting your days, but instead making your days count right? Redeem the time, make the most, walk as wise. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now we see that wisdom is connected to Jesus. It's connected in how we walk, and then it's directly connected to the will of God. Some people have come up to me as a pastor and they say, man, a common question is, I want to, John, how do I know the will of God in my life? And my first response is always the same. Well, let me ask you, when's the last time you read the word of God? Okay. Um, And it's like, well, I just want to know God's direction. Okay. You cannot, let me repeat this. You cannot know the will of God without knowing the word of God. It'd be like saying, I have a great relationship with my spouse. Uh, We don't talk. You know, I talked to her like a couple years ago. I talk to her on, you know, Christmas and Easter, um, and I, I think about it occasionally, but, but we're great. Well, do you know what she's thinking? I don't know. I just, I just wish I could know what my spouse is thinking. Okay, well, talk, talk to her. Listen, right? Here's the same thing. If you want to know the will of God, it starts by knowing the word of God. It says this here. Well, why do we read the word? It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, that all scripture is breathed out by God the breath of life here, and it's profitable. And it's going to give you four things for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So to grow in maturity, to be seen as full, to be complete, 
you need the word of God to accomplish four things. Number one, it's for teaching. That's doctrine. That means it teaches us what is right. Second, it, the word of God is good for reproof. That teaches us what is not right. Then you have correction, and that is how to get right. And then training, which means how to stay right. This comes from commentator Warren Wearsby. So he tells us that the word of God teaches you what is right, what is not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. In other words, it's the source of wisdom. Now, if you're sitting here and you have an area of life that you're not making the best choices in, financially, relationally, attitude, whatever it is, I want you to hang on to that area, but I want to encourage you with this, that James writes this in James 1.5. It says that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. This means that you can grow in that area, that there is hope for you. There's hope in your health, in your relationship, in your finances. There is hope and there's possible to get better at those things, which is why we're studying them together. And so knowledge means no, wisdom means do. And wisdom is about discernment plus obedience. But let me give you one last functioning definition of wisdom, and it's this. Wisdom swaps the self-centered fantasy for a God-centered reality. Wisdom takes yourself off of the God seat and puts God in his rightful place. Good things placed in the God seat will never end up fulfilling you. Your spouse does not make a good God. You do not make a good God. Your kids, your job, your position does not make a good God because it cannot do what only God can do. If you place something, a position, a title, finances, whatever it is that you think, if I only had blank, if you place that in the God space, you're going to be left with unmet expectations. Because there are things that only God can give you. And so the starting place for wisdom is to swap, to exchange the self-centered fantasy that I'm in control and recognize that I want to live in a God-centered reality. I want to live in a way that God intended to get the most out of this life. Does that make sense? And so let's take a dive in here into what does it mean to have the foundation of wisdom. And as you turn to Proverbs chapter 3, I want to share with you a verse that comes from Mark chapter 12, verse 30. This is known as the great commandment, and it's actually tied to wisdom. We're going to show that to you today. Jesus is speaking, and he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want you to grab hold of those four words, and we're going to see how they're directly connected to living a wise life life. So the four foundations of wisdom. Now, before we jump into this, I want to give you a few things here. These are principles. These are practices. These are things that you can apply. These are the four legs of the chair that I'm sitting in. That if you want a st stable life and a strong life, you have to apply all four together. What's also interesting is that I want you to take note of all the even number verses 
for those who like to nerd out on stuff. We're going to read through 10 verses, but the odd verses tell the principle and then the even verses tell the benefit. And guess what? There's no like weird side effects. Have you seen those health commercials, right? Like there's always somebody running through a field, like flying a kite. It's like, take whatever, lip the nectar de la pore, you know, and then like side effect, you know, um, you, your left arm might fall off. Like, wait, what? That's, that seems pretty serious, right? Or um, if you pass out, make sure you call a doctor right away, right? Like, wait, you can't call the doctor if you passed out. Okay, what's going on? Like, you've, you've experienced this, right? Like, everyone's running, smiling, or passing um, vegetables in a meal, right? And they're all like, oh, yeah. And then, like, the side effects are like, you know, you sneezing, coughing, illness, um, raised blood pressure, your left arm might fall off, like, you might, you know, become a Michigan fan. I don't know, whatever the side effects are, you have in there like all this stuff. Well, here's what's awesome about scriptural truth. There is no fine print here. There is no like, well, okay, this will happen, this will happen. These are just rock solid foundational principles. The odd verses are gonna share with us the truth and then you're gonna see the benefit of applying it in your life. Let's jump into it. The first foundation is to know God is to know God. Now, knowledge, as I mentioned, is a part of wisdom. It's the first step. You have to know what's right. Here, we're talking about knowing God on a personal level, to know his word, not just to know statistics like an athlete or what movies or lines from movies of your favorite actor or actress, but to know them on a personal level. The author writes this in verses one through four. He says, my son, a term of endearment. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments to remember. For the lengths of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. I think we could all use a little more peace. Okay, it starts with knowing the word. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Read these words, meditate on these words, memorize these words, repeat them, put that on the cycle through. Instead of scrolling through social media, scroll through the scriptures and put that on repeat to fill your mind with the word of God. Why? The benefit, verse four again. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Do you wanna live a long life? Do you wanna live a life of peace? Do you wanna find favor in God and in man? then know the word and to love the Lord God then with all of your mind. You see that? That it starts the first leg of the chair, the first foundation of wisdom is to know God. The second foundation is this, is to trust God. Now Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one of the most quoted verses in all of the Bible. But these all work together. So the first part was to know the word, right? Once you know it, then you can trust it. So it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. When you trust God, you're saying, I'm gonna let you drive the car. Now, is there any couples in here where the spouse we'll say gives a little bit of coaching when the other one is driving, right? They give running commentary. There's different ones, right? There's, there's spouses that completely check out. Okay, you got it. 
Um, there are spouses that get nervous when they're driving. There are the identifiers. You know what I'm talking about? Car, car, right? Oh, there's some laughter, but that was some nervous laughter. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting home with this one, um, right? The light's green, the light's red. Slow down, speed up, turn here, not yet, right? And, and, and we love to offer encouragement to the ones we love, right? And for those that teach, you know, teenagers to drive, that's where you start praying a lot. And so it's a direct connection. Those who teach teenagers to drive, their prayer life dramatically improves and increases right away. And so I had a friend named Herb who was a great guy and he would love to drive, but he would turn and talk to you when he drives. And it terrified me. Have you ever ridden with these guys? And he's driving. He says, oh, let me tell you what God has done. And I was like, whoa. And I said, Herb, you test and increase my faith every time I get in the car with you. Okay. Now here's the thing. How many of us do that with God? How many of us are like, okay, God, light's green. God, turn here, slow down, speed up. God, you don't, no, 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 no. God, take fourth street. Okay. It's, you know, it's, it's better that way. There's construction there. When God created the world, he spoke it into existence. He's sustaining your very existence now. He's saying, breathe easy. I've got this. So it says this here. Let's read this verse five and six. Let's read it one more time here. Um, trust in the Lord. In other words, whatever you're hanging on to in your hand, whatever that issue is, whatever that battle is, hand that over to him to lift. Because what's heavy for you is not heavy for God. So you can trust in him in all areas of your life, with all of your heart, that you don't have to lean. Have you ever uh, leaned on something that wasn't stable? I remember being um, at school and there was like a prop and I kind of leaned back on it and I just almost fell to the ground because it wasn't actually locked in. <laughs> okay, if you lean on the things of the world, if you lean on that stuff, there's no foundation there. But you can lean on God because that is rock solid. And he says, let him make your path straight. Let him be the GPS in your life. Let him be the driver in your life. So for foundations, number one is to know God. Number two is to trust God. That's to love the Lord your God with all your heart. So with all your mind, with all your heart. But then number three is to fear God. And this is to love the Lord your God with all your soul. This is a posture issue. Moses, when he met God at the burning bush, fell to his face. Peter, with Jesus in the boat, after the miracle of catching fish, recognized that Jesus was God, fell to his face. John, when he wrote the letter Revelation and he had a vision of God on his throne, he fell to his face. This was not like, yo, Jesus, my homeboy, what up? Yo, ha-ha. Like, there is this awe, this reverence. And we see this here in this verse, verse 7 and 8. It says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. <laughs> 
there is a healthy level of fear and respect to have in the house of the Lord. If you've ever experienced the bigness of God, maybe it was the stars in the sky or a mountaintop view or a sunrise by the ocean or the Grand Canyon, or you just come across and you see something and it just takes your breath away. That, have you ever had that experience? Like you see something and you're just like, wow. That feeling is awe. Do you take that to God with your soul? Now, I love celebrating the freedom of our country, but I am fearful of our future because as a nation, we've turned our back on God. I don't sense that same sense of awe and reverence, do you? Collectively. <laughs> but I'm also encouraged because God has worked throughout different periods in the world and every government in the world. And so while we celebrate our nation and our freedom, I'm all about it. Let's get sparklers, fireworks. Yeehaw! Go America, okay? Bigger hat, the better, okay? But let us remember that our nation does not belong on the God seat. That we do not just fear who's in office. We fear who's on the throne. Because it's that God that gives us wisdom. And that's healthy and it's wise to come humbly before him in our essence and our soul. You want a wise life? Starts with knowing God. Number two, starts then moves to trusting God. Number three, it's fearing God. And then number four, we see here to honor God. Honor is a choice. Honor involves your strength. It's action. It's visible. Because it's kind of hard to visualize how you honor with your soul right? Kind of sounds new agey, but it gives us an example of what does it mean to honor God with your life, your actions. It gives us an example here. Let's check this out. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Don't just tell me what you value. Show me what you value. How you spend your money, how you spend your time and your talents shows what you value. So do you honor God? Because one of the best ways to live a wise life is to be a, a generous giver. And we can be generous because God was generous. And we have what we have to give what we can. We have been blessed to be a blessing. That we live to honor God with what we say, what we do, and what we give. And so that is a wise principle. And that'll change your life. To honor God, to love God out of your strength, out of your assets, out of your talents, out of your work ethic. And what you say in that work meeting, in that email, in that relationship, how you serve, does it show honor? Because at the end of the day, wisdom is about swapping 
a self-centered fantasy, <laughs> thinking you're in charge, for a God-centered reality. And if you live out of that God-centered reality, you don't just know the word, but you actually do it. It'll radically change everything. And you can set your life on it, like I'm seated on this chair. And it will hold you up. And what is that foundation? It's to know God. It's to trust God. It's to fear God. It's to honor Him. In other words, to love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God is for you. We are for you. And together we can be for the community if we apply these four things to have and to experience a life filled with wisdom. Let's pray. Dear God, just thank you. Thank you for your son. God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you for giving us a life that we can experience purpose and blessing. God, thank you for showing us the way. You tell us to ask you for wisdom. And so whatever that area of life is that we are hanging, hanging on to, we give that to you. And God, as we move into this time of communion, God, I pray that we can remember where our wisdom come from and that you gave your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And because you rose, we can rise. That we can have eternal life tomorrow and abundant life today and that we can experience wisdom because you are the source. Help us remember you today and help us to swap our self-centered fantasy for a God-centered reality and to put you first. We love you. In your son's name we pray.